Welcome to the Five Phenomenon Podcast. I am your host, Shane Hayes, and with me again, returning this week, is Ted Haycraft. I am back. He is back. Uh, we, uh, we we had an adventure last night, where which we'll discuss later. We went to the drive-in, uh, which you said it was your first dri- drive-in trip to. We went to the, um, this town near Evansville called Rio, which is spelled R-E-O, and that's because it's in between the towns of Rockport, Evansville, and Owensboro, and there's a, like a, a three-way intersection that is the center of town, and there's a holiday drive-in there. In the state of Kentucky, the state of my birth. No, it's in Indiana. It's across the river. It's on the north side of the river. Is it? I thought Rockport, Rockport, Owensboro. No, sorry, you're right. I'm sorry. Rockport yeah. is Indiana. God, I'm, I'm spacing out. <laughs> I was up late last night with the drive-in. Yeah, so it's not... Um, you're right, Indiana. You really haven't been there in a while, but... Um, no, I, I don't think I, I ever uh, have been to that drive-in. In fact, I was thinking on the way over here, I don't think my last drive-in experience, there were still speakers. <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever done a drive-in with a radio uh, uh, tuner. Which last night, unfortunately, was not the best example. Yeah, there, of, was some, there was some interference on it, wasn't there? I've had worse, but oh. um, before we go into the, the movies we watch, I do want to, I haven't been doing open these episodes with what I've been watching lately, but I did want to put out a recommendation since I know a lot of us are dealing with 2020-ism, um, not just the pandemic making us agitated, but a bad election year, and... Uh, feels like we're all a little more prone to bring Thanksgiving dinner too early and want to yell at our own relatives, much less yell at everyone else. And one movie I want to recommend that just came up on Netflix this week, I got to say up front, is not an amazing piece of filmmaking, but is, I think everyone should see, is called The Social Dilemma. It's about, it's a bunch of um, Silicon Valley people uh, led by Tristan Harris, who heads the, uh, Center for Humane Technology, and a lot of these people who designed a lot of how the social programs were on from Google, Google's Gmail, um, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, WhatsApp, all these people that were in the early days of it have now turned to how these, this, these, these programs are making us insane and more divisive and hurting our mental health in ways we can't control or even acknowledge. It's a... Do they include podcasts? They also have a, yeah, it's a, they, it, I also recommend that it's um, called Your Undivided Attention. Uh, um, that, it, the thing is the movie does this really unfortunate, makes this really unfortunate choice of doing fictionalized interludes and it does not have the sophistication of an Errol Morris, let's just say recreate, it, they're not real recreation, they're scripted and it's very distracting because the two main, there, it's a, a a multicultural family and the two oldest teenagers one is played by that guy who was the obnoxious guy in Booksmart and the uh, eldest teenager girl is played by a grown up uh, from the, the I forget her name but she was in Moonrise Kingdom the child from Moonrise Kingdom and so not only is that distracting but they also have I can't remember his name but Pete from Mad Men um, he plays uh, this the version of the app provoking you whether to give you notifications the, the the doc dives into how data starts to learn us better than we know ourselves and is constantly agitating our brains and and yeah pete is the app um that was unfortunate there's also this bizarre thing uh this very silicon valley touch where 
Tristan Harris is the uh, he 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 runs that podcast, which I do like, and he's a great great thinker and a great person that's come out almost a whistleblower for Facebook. But he's the I want to say he's the head of the Center for Humane Technology who put this doc up, and there's this very distracting thing with his uh, interviews where I swear to you. It's composited like they have a blue screen or green screen behind him for no reason just because it's the most innocuous backdrop that's supposed to look normal and the whole especially at the end when i started realizing this i really got the feeling that they probably tested what background would be more influenced on people and it that's not a great that, that's, that's not a great way to end uh sell people on the no movie. the reason i said podcast are we adding to the uh, insanity here by doing our podcast <laughs> no, no, the podcast is a place to go. I, uh, general, I, I, my, my media diet during the pandemic has been way more podcasts, which I, I apologize to listeners here. You'd think it would improve the quality of this. So. <laughs> but I, there's a feeling I have that it's, this is more democratic just because it's long form than this is what we thought the internet was going to be. Just the only problem was the internet ends up being more short attention span and more um, agitation and, um, provo- prov- provocations and something like a podcast long form and inqu- requires more attention, requires more nuance, requires more good faith, understanding and discussions and debates. Yeah, and, I can't keep my babble down to a Twitter length. I'm, I'm terrible at that. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, we have a Twitter, we have an Instagram and we have a Facebook, but I never update the Twitter and God bless us. I would be happy never to touch Twitter ever again, but um, but on that, uh, let's probably get back to the title of this week's podcast. We ended up watching the oh, such a great, great drive-in double feature, The Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Yes. Yeah. That's, uh, and again, I think we both figured out it's been a long time since we've revisited it. One of the cool things, um, this morning I was reading, uh, 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 I, was, I came across a Nabokov quote from his memoir, Speak Memory, and... It's about books, but it says one cannot read a book. One can only reread a book. And you and I both, when we got to the drive-in, realized we've pro- for a movie for a series of movie from a great filmmaker who's making a very highly taunted piece of genre filmmaking that is beloved by many. You and I have only seen these both these movies once. Yeah, I, I want to say that I I there's a good chance I've probably saw Evil Dead two more than once, but I. I so I can, off the top of my head, I've only saw them once, and I think I saw them out of order, possibly, too. Real, well, because you, you were saying you don't think Evil Dead played Evansville. Yeah, I uh, we need to talk to Mick Steeler or somebody and find out if uh, the uh, he's... Uh, it would make sense that it didn't play here, but, yeah. it, cause it, was, it, was, but it was so cool because it felt like a drive-in movie. That was yeah. part of the fun. Uh, uh, I was, my, uh, in high school, all my, our friends were into Army of Darkness. There was a lot of lines we quoted from Well, Army yeah, Darkness. it was interesting because that, that's, yeah, I think as each film came out, the trilogy, uh, Army of Darkness yeah. is considered part of the uh, Evil Dead trilogy, it picked up more people, and the people wanted to go back and get the VHS or find, a, find it on cable and then and, and do the homework of finding the earlier entries. Well, yeah. as I told you, when we got into it, Evil Dead 2 was uh, readily available, but Evil Dead, it took a while. I remember I had to, I couldn't rent it anywhere in town. I had to go to that, um, it's not a Suncoast, but it's one of those video stores that were pro, uh, prominent at malls. It was the only place I knew in town that sold laser discs. I, I knew sold laser discs. I, I knew there, you know there were other places. And I had to buy it when it came out on VHS. <laughs> Probably cost you quite a bit back then. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I, I fib a little bit to you uh, today. I, I did. Uh, I said I'm not going to do any homework for this podcast, but I did stick in the Evil Dead uh, Anchor Bay disc last night before I went to bed. Yeah. And they had a whole uh, uh, the feature. One feature it was really interesting of uh, the English UK distribution of the thing. They actually picked the people that picked it up. Palace Video, I think is they were called. They released it in the theaters, the rank organization, and on video at the same time. Well, back was then. It, wasn't there a thing where Evil Dead got banned? Well, it, 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 it got sucked into the video nasties, the whole UK band, and they, they selected all these titles. It's it's a notorious thing, and there's documentaries and books and articles all about the video nasties. Uh, but I think uh, they were able to extract Evil Dead out of that uh, because uh, the judge saw it, and, and they were able to get some court cases uh, uh, uh for them. I guess I'm, I'm vaguely familiar with this. I only heard Edgar Wright talk about this, how he saw... Oh, yeah. If, you were, if you're growing up in the UK, there's like a whole bunch... There's a whole list of films that you couldn't see uh, and they were taken to court and, and like I said, it's under the umbrella of Video Nasties and like there's, like I said, there's, you, there's that's a whole other podcast, a whole mm, other yeah. uh, history uh, there, but Evil Dead was part of that. Well, yes. let's let's dive into the movie because I had a absolute fucking blast. It was, it was amazing last night. The drive-in was the greatest way to watch it. I also told you one of the fun things, Evil Dead, when I first saw it, I was very dismissive of just because of the uh, lack of polish on the movie and, and, I, sixteen millimeter. I think it was shot in sixteen. Well, it's, I mean, in the low budget showed when I watched that, and I found a trick lately with watching older movies, which I was telling you about last night. It's fun with film history just to assume that the movie came out five years before it came out, and you'll find yourself so forgiving of any any flaws or any kind of technical problems. Like like, but also the the movie started out with a lot of statics shots a lot of setups it showed its low budget early they didn't put a lot of money or thought into the beginning and when the movie goes to nighttime and takes off it takes off even though i remember the other thing we I, I, my friends when we watched it pointed out was the number of times they reused that full moon with the uh, silhouetted uh of uh, cloud smoke coming over it uh, above in those wide exterior shots over the cabin but the um it was just, I, I guess I, I would thought it was would have been fun to have watched that movie back in, uh, what year did it came out, 81? So I thought it was 79. Or no, it's an 80. It's, it? it's 80 or 81, but I thought it would have been fun to watch that with the first Friday the 13th or something along those lines. I'm sorry, 1981, you're right, it is 81. So when the movie then kind of kicks in, it's 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 i mean there's so much fun stuff about the movie you, like I, I celebrated when the joel cohen assistant editor credit came up but this births <laughs> like you know this is a major film voice coming on the scene and and he's got very limited resources but even with those limited resources well, he's still doing a lot of fun stuff uh, yeah it's amazing uh, if he's a limited resource and, and he has a whole stop animation dance sequence this is like a kid, uh, well that's evil that too no there's a dance in the first one Where's the dance in the first one? The thing comes out of the grave and the head pops on it. That's two. We just watched this last night. That was the beginning of two. Because they, because the they, the other funny thing that I don't. Are you sure it's two? Yes, because they recreate the uh, shovel uh, decapitation and. The other funny thing about Evil Dead One. Well, there there is some stuff animation, isn't there? Yeah, but it's the uh, bodies at the end. Yeah, the PDK. Then it's it's really cool looking because it looks like it's in camera. It's not one of those like. Uh, um, model setups that's done on a set much later. I mean, it it has to be. It probably is, but it just looked more in camera because 
then not to spoil but there's another creature effect that comes up after the the dissolving so okay when the movie starts to kick in one of the funny things i noticed last night was all the demons possessed up until maybe like well first off the set of people brought up uh, it's two guys and three girls so there's a fifth wheel then um the, all the demons, the first demon possessions are all women. And it seemed like for it's Raimi, Robert Tappert and, um, Ash, which was, a Bruce Campbell and it's Bruce Campbell. And it just felt like a bunch of young guys writing the script based on their freight of girls who are going to turn into demons. And especially on weekends when they think they're going to have sex. And this time, the first big Gonzo sequence, the first big, it is, when I first watched it, I had seen Evil Dead 2, so I expected... A, the Evil Dead, let's say, for the first one, is is relatively straight. There's some funny stuff in it, but it's relatively a straight horror movie. And the first real gonzo sequence is the infamous tree rape. And when I saw that for the first time, I mean, I don't know if it was said much about how I was at that age, where I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, or it's kind of odd that they chose it. But this time watching it, I was really disturbed by it. Well, yeah, and it's a couple of things about that uh, observations I had about it was it, it seems like the, the the second time they do it, they actually tone it down in Evil Dead too. The, the, yeah, it's it, it's, almost, it's almost like it's they know that they went maybe too far the first time. Mm, that's a good up. And, and now they're becoming better filmmakers, right. better storytellers. And they know that they don't have to do it as bl- bl- as blunt as it is in the first one. Uh, another thing it reminded me of it reminded me of, of uh, Japanese anime. The anime uh, there's a uh, I, I want to uh, the word fiendish overlord comes in my mind, but something. But there's a ton of uh, anime that deals with all these tentacles that attack a, a hentai uh, or whatever it is uh, that attack women like that. I know there's a bunch of porn that does that. Well, uh, uh, there's uh, anime that's for mature audiences or mm. whatever. Okay. Or, or is it outright porn? I'm not sure, but the I, I remember uh, I, I wonder what came first. Or was it the same around the same time? Or was it in the air at the time? If they, Raimi uh, got there first, it, or well, it's just it's when that sequence comes up. This is a sign that like this movie's been pretty pedestrian and um, little by the numbers, and this move this is it's a signal this movie's going to go and yeah. I, I, and I, I like I said, we were kind of free willing it today. We didn't really do a lot of homework because uh, we just want to kind of uh, uh, talk about our, our reaction at the drive-in last night to seeing these. But uh, I, I'd be curious, uh, and I think I'm going to do this, where in context it, it is with European horror and other horror films at the time, because you know the, the blood, the, the the gushing of blood, and 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 the, the the stop animation of the decaying and and the demon possession. Well, has, uh, has have you ever heard Raimi say that he was influenced by that? I no, I, it's been a while. Like I said, I, it's been so long. I, 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 Raimi's kind of been off the radar a lot. It seems like lately, you know, the Oz movies was last. Film he did. Oh my God, that's his last. Yeah, he hasn't done anything since. The, I mean, wow. director wise. Well, because we, you were talking to me last night that the oddity of his next announced movie is a Marvel movie. He's the the guy that directed, arguably for many people, the best sp- superhero movie of all time, Spider Man Two, is now doing a Marvel movie where I can't imagine he's got final cut. He's doing Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange, which is nice if you think about it, just a synchronic, synchronic, I can't even say the word. Synchronicity. Yes, of. He's doing the two Dicko characters. He's done. Yeah, that uh, that does seem promising. That uh, does seem cool, so. especially because like if 
I mean, three, uh, 3D seems like it's died out, but I, one of the reasons I dug the first Doctor Strange so much was seeing it in 3D. There was some really fun Ditko stuff in there. And for you non-comic book fans listening in, if you are listening, Steve, uh, when it comes down to the Marvel Universe, pretty much practically everything was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, except for two prominent characters was uh, co-created with artist Steve Ditko, it's, and it's Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. And Steve Ditko is a very expressive <laughs> and graphically interesting. And, and Raimi's a very expressive and graphic director. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the thing, I, I've always been, my favorite Raimi movie was, for the longest time, Dark Man in high school. And I just remember our, convincing one of my other friends who was really into Evil Dead at the time that the, the Raimi has a great operatic sense and a lot of expressionistic yeah, uh, it gets more and more with yeah with that yeah yeah exactly. and, and, he, and he puts these in these like really pop situations and uh, he apparently he wanted to do he had he wanted to get to do the shadow and he couldn't get the rights back then so he said well i'll just do my own superhero uh do my own uh, character i just heard a story a few weeks ago where um basically uh universal he didn't have final cut on it and universal made him cut out uh 10 minutes and him and uh, Robert Tapper, or actually, basically, while they were finishing the last mix, without Universal knowing it, after they'd all agreed to in the final version, they went ahead and added the 10 minutes back in and put, it wasn't exactly Raimi's uh, director's cut, but it was closer. But he basically just like, and the last technical things uh, uh, took the executive's uh, demands and ignored them. Well, that ha- you know, that's always a, a nice little trick. You know, when, like when you take your movie to the MPA and say, so, yeah, I'll cut that, cut this. Well, it's one, then, it, it's one thing to do the MPA where you're cutting um, uh, excessive gore, because, but it's, it's another thing of like uh, getting your che- checked off by the, and, uh, by the people paying the checks and then biting their hands later. You know? Yeah, but, uh, well, you know, where they show the film again and they haven't really cut anything and, and they go, oh, okay, it's okay now. You know, it's like, what? Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, yeah, Raimi... Uh, uh, so, going back to the uh, the Evil Dead films, uh, it was it was really interesting because I think uh, when I watched Evil Dead the first time, it's basically oh we missed this, let's go back and see what he did. But it's so interesting. I think the whole phenomenon of I would love to tally up how many filmmakers started doing a horror film that started that jump started their careers, and that's what a lot of kids, a lot of wannabe filmmakers out there, that's what they do because it seems to be the easiest accessible kind of film to do well, to get, it, money, they get some money too. to this day uh, I've had yeah. I've been given the advice that if you want to start out the easiest money maker is to do horror it's right. uh, it's and the it, easiest to market and if it makes and if you do a good horror film it makes money which Evil Dead apparently did Stephen King gave it an endorsement which yeah really, uh, I was thinking about that last night too so uh, and, and but it's so fascinating it's a it's a if you're a filmmaker and, and to see what they that if you want to learn how to uh, to be a, a filmmaker Watch the jump from Evil Dead to Evil Dead 2 is very fascinating. There's the movie in between uh, Crime Wave. Crime Wave, yeah, yeah, which the Coen brothers helped write. Coen brothers are, are part of the gang Ted, Ted yeah. started out. Um, I, I, we we talked about a little bit last night. I need to give that movie another watch because I remember really finding my viewing of it very tedious and not enjoyable. See, And, I, and I, I bet it's better than I remember it. Well, the funny thing about Crime Wave, in some ways the first Evil Dead for me... They're just very uh, insightful and educational of where Raimi came from, and he was getting his kinks out. So by Evil Dead 2, he's he's now a full-fledged, smooth filmmaker that makes, and then we and, we, and then he goes along, and he ends up being 
you know, doing not uh, non-genre stuff, mainstream stuff like uh, the the Kevin Costner baseball film, or Simple Plan is, uh, is a great gift. one, or The Gift is yeah. a great one. Um, but so let's get into Evil Dead too, because for me last night, they're years off, but what it felt like was like watching Evil Dead One <laughs> to Evil Dead Two is like watching Mad Max to Road Warrior. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It because yeah. I for some reason. I kept thinking of uh, what Jack Black and High Fidelity would have been telling me about this movie, that it really is one of the greatest movies ever made. In its, in its own in individuality and idiosyncrasy, like, and what it's doing, like, just the manner of, like, creativity going into it, the gonzo-ness, the passion behind it. Like, they're just, it's such a fun movie. It's, there's, it's, it's something. It was, like, well, we, we were talking about the uh, Three Stooges stuff, which... Yeah, again, we if you do your homework on Sam Raimi, which we really didn't do much, uh, but you know that he's a big lover of Three Stooges. And so now watching it now, I'm like, oh my gosh, the Stooges stuff is all over the place. It's just, it's well a hidden disguise in, in a horror genre. But it, it works. Oh, and, yeah. And, and, no. and that's, yeah. What's, what's, that's, the, that's the brilliant part of it. Yeah. So it's the way to sneak something, a Three Stooges bit, into a, a very gory horror movie. I mean, and I want to think also that if you watch, if you're a fan of Raising Arizona, it's like, that's the... Oh, this is such a prototype of Raising Arizona. This is a Sam Raimi... It's like the Coen brothers were just doing their Sam Raimi film. Yeah. Well, it felt like, (laughs) like, between Raimi and the Coens, they were creating this own, like, uh, genus of cinema at that point. Yeah, the the camera, the prowling camera, uh, uh, the... uh, Yeah, it starts with a a camera on two two two-by-fours, and, but then it moves into Chuck Jones at a certain point. Right, and... and, It's the live-action Chuck Jones. And then uh, the uh, I, I was we were talking about this last night about the chase scene. I, I had never uh, the uh, when the demon uh, demon goes flying through all these different rooms and doors and the sound effects and just over and over door room room door door and, and that happens in Raising Arizona where you know uh, Nicholas Cage has got the uh, the the diapers and these and the dogs are chasing and he he goes to the you know backyard backyard fence you know through the house yeah. living room. And I'm just thinking, wow, this is. Uh, and at the time, we hadn't seen that. At that time, in eighty, early '80s, we hadn't seen that in a live-action film. So it was it, a real. Uh, it's still a technically hard thing to pull off. Yeah, it's and, kind of and just it was just uh, uh, to see that in the theater or at a drive-in or whatever it was just a, a revelation well, at the time. I w- let's get to another um, misconception I've had over the years, which you have tried to disabuse me of. For starters, I mean, I always thought of Evil Dead Two as. Um, a remake of Evil Dead 1 just done better and more polished and I always compared it to what I thought was uh, um, a Fistful of Dollars and for a few dollars more which I thought for a few dollars more was vaguely a remake of a Fistful of Dollars and you adamantly <laughs> no completely different whole different story a whole different concept but they but it seems like they're they're reusing the same characters and the character connections have been completely rewritten uh, the only connection with is Clint, Clint looks like he operates and looks like the guy from the first film in the second film. But you were He's, trying to tell me that part of my confusion came from, you said Good, Bad, and the Ugly is probably the first one sequentially. Well, if you're going to put, okay, if you're going to put them in a continuity order, uh, Clint's wearing this different, totally different outfit Good, Bad, and the Ugly, big white coat, big white hat. Yeah. Uh, calling him, and he has a name, Blondie. He's, he's called Blondie in that. He goes to the entire film to the, get to the, near the end where uh, they're at the, con- the concentration camp and Lee Van Cleef uh, hands him a new outfit to wear because because uh, he's in a he, uh, Clint was disguised as a Confederate soldier, so he gives him this outfit and it's the man with no name. It's the outfit he'd been wearing in Fistful of Dollars and Fiona's War. Okay. And so he so therefore he 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 gets he doesn't have that outfit, 
And then this is a civil war that's taking place. Mm-hmm. And you can think that, okay, he's got his outfit. Now, after the civil war is over with, he continues his bounty hunting ways, and he's now out even further west as a bounty hunter. Okay. Well, I, I, I immediately went to a, a Temple of Doom, assumption that a random prequel putting into the, which, I mean, you're, you're nodding that a little. You're well, yeah, it's, it's time-wise. If you, if you want to make that work, but, you know, people call the man with no name is a marketing strategy. Yeah, uh, from UA. He, that, he's called uh, Joe an, in the first film. That's another reason I just assumed that. He's referred was, to as Manko in the second film, and mm. he's called Blondie in the third film. So I was wrong about Evil Dead 1 and 2. What it is is that the first, like, 15 minutes is a remake of Evil Dead 1, only distilled with... Collapsed, a character. yeah. It, it, yeah, it just... It, Condensed. Well, yeah, well, they get rid of all excess characters. It's just Ash, who I... I pointed this out last night. I never re- remembered. In Evil Dead, he's called Ashley. That is his name. <laughs> um, but Ash and his betrothed, or and uh, with the necklace recreated. Um, in fact, they recreate as you forgot the stop motion was in two. But there's a decapitation with it and a burial, and then the movie just goes from there, and and it it is gone. Well. I know, I know the other thing I used to make fun of was the, uh, uh, that is a creative thing, was the different number of colors of blood, but he seemed more consistent to me last night, the co- blood color. Yeah. I could, I, I forgot about the gushing and uh, how uh, some of the, the just the, you know, the flooding of, of, of fluids. And I'm getting, I think that, that that might've been a new thing too. I mean, there's, you know, there's reams and reams of books of, uh, uh, of, of, uh, all this stuff uh, dissected to the nth degree, and where if this is the first time it happened, or where Ramy got it. But you know, I would say the young viewers uh, out there that have you know haven't seen these, you know, the Spider-Man movies. Mm. I would say, man, you need to go back and look at these two films, or the or the Dark Evil Dead trilogy, all three of them, mm. to see where Ramy uh, gets his foundation from, because it's just a it's a master class in some ways. Yeah. Watching this and mm. seeing the evolution, it's, that's half the fun of. Uh, finding a director you like, and and then it's, and seeing the difference between Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, put Crime Wave in the middle too. Uh, uh, you'll you'll see if you uh, must. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe the again, thing about I, Crime Wave, I didn't. It, sometimes I enjoyed it, like you said. You don't. You, you probably, but it was fascinating because I, they were doing things in Crime Wave. You talk about live uh, Chuck Jones and Anna, hmm. they were really really trying to be a cartoon. Live action cartoon. In yeah, I, I think the problem was that you, when you see some, you put it uh, next to something like Raising Arizona, you see it just very charming and dynamic. As opposed to Crime Wave, it's a chore to get through. Did you also think about when watching last night? I had to chuckle every time. Ramy did a lot of it last night in both Evil Dead's. Uh, the everybody got a big kick in Blood Simple, the Coen Brothers debut when the camera prowls down the bar and it goes, goes over, over the, the drunk's head. It goes over the drunk's head. You saw that all the time in the Evil Dead films. Uh, the, I, 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 the camera I, I, prowling, and it would go over a hut tree stump or go around a tree. Oh, well, I mean, I, constantly. I, yeah, there was, I guess I was thinking on a practical level that why they would have to do that. Well, yeah, it's, it is so, somewhat practical, but it's just it seemed almost like almost like the Coen Brothers were doing a, almost another little salute to Sam yeah. in the in Blood Simple. I was I recently oh. finished uh, Barry Sonnenfeld's book, and he mentioned that there's a point where the Coens tried to take that shot out of the movie, a Blood See, Simple. Yeah. Was that Barry's idea to do that, or I don't remember? Or you know, it's, I, look, I, I just saw. I I always see that this. It's almost like it's from Evil Dead, almost. Yeah. Because uh, uh, the camera's constantly doing that. Yeah. Uh, if this is a great example for um, of, of just a low budget kinetic cam, because the thing of this, the the camera work, there, there's some 
some weak stuff in Evil Dead, but when they get around to Evil Dead 2, which is not, I, there's a little bit more money, but it's not that ch expensive of a movie. That is some of the most virtuoso kinetic cinema you're going to find anybody making at any studio level. Or, and it is deeply inspiring. Right, and I would say in the first one, that's what keeps your attention, I think, if you're open to it. You know, the act, you know there's, there's some dullness to it. The storytelling is a little plotting. The character, you know, the actors are not really up to speed. He's, he hasn't been able to, you know, get the actors at the full at their full potential. And but there's this uh, sense of camera work and shots that you could tell. Okay, this guy's going to be a filmmaker. This guy really wants to be a filmmaker, and he's going to sh show off what he can do. And I think of Leone. I mean, you even get the, you know, the, the eye close-ups. You know, he's doing, oh the eye close-ups. There, there's so much great. I always associate eye close-ups. I know you say Leone, but I associate them with Hitchcock. And there was a lot of great Hitchcock. Well, yeah. The key shot and the uh, the overhead key shot and how that kept coming back in in Evil Dead One. It was there's there's a. I mean, the thing about the early sequences in Evil Dead One is they're very clearly cinematically thought out. Even before they get to the like, oh yeah, let's put the camera on the two. And the sound and mixing, the sound too. You know, like, oh, yeah. even even when the camera pans over the rafters, each rafter makes oh, a sound. Oh, that was such a cool moment. <laughs> that, that was such a cool <laughs> musical moment too. And it was not the coolest thing to be able to watch that at the drive-in, but. Yeah. Um, I thought last night. Last night was like what, what sucks is it is one of me and one. It's going to be up there as the most fun I had at the movies this year, possibly. And I've had a good time this summer going to the drive-in. I saw. How do you feel about drive-ins in the COVID era? Uh, are you are you you feel comfortable and everything? I mean, I, I oh, you uh, mean health-wise? Yeah, I yeah. Think, well, I, I feel obviously, good. that's the that's the. I, I was surprised. You told me that it hasn't been that well attended on some yeah. of the ones you've gone to. And I thought I thought they'd be doing gangbusters. Well, the worry I have is this is going to. I I don't. I think this might be the last weekend they're open just because mm. it's getting colder. And and they 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 switched from uh, weekends only after school started back up. So I imagine their attendance isn't compelling them to keep open. But I mean, I, I had a bunch of good um, double features at the drive-in this. Well, summer. how do you and and you always do the? Uh, how do you sit in the drive-in when you go? You always do the hatchback open in the mm -hmm. back. Um, last last night, I knew to tell you that um, the theater we watched at that there's going to be a certain point where I have a Prius that will run on battery for most point, but when the car will turn on, the uh, the exhaust is going to blow back in your face for a while. Uh, but I was a little surprised. Uh, uh, this, this is uh, the hol holiday. They, they, they got, look like a pretty smooth operation, but you got to qu walk quite a way to get to the concession stand if you're in screen five. That's yeah. where we were at. Yeah. And there was a long line, so I didn't, get in, I didn't get in the concession line. Thankfully, we got food before we went. I, I mean, um, my, my, my past concession experience has been fine. Okay. They go pretty fast. The line goes pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. Or, I mean, it's like other COVID stuff where you have to be the jerk who's like, nope, I'm staying outside and signal to everyone else, wear your mask and stay yeah, outside. And most people I had the mask on in the line, they were in line when I went to it. I just, I checked it out. I didn't get in line. Um, and then um, uh, for the most part, everybody, it was, it was, yeah, a pretty good experience, even though I do miss the speakers. Um, it was not good sound. It was it was because they. I actually thought their master volume might have been turned down because the sound's been better in the past. Jaws was not that bad. Oh, the one thing I didn't. I was disappointed too is that they didn't. The intermission between the two movies is very short. Very short. Very short. Which I'm surprised because it, that's a way to get people to go to the concession. Uh, if, and someone like me who doesn't want to miss any any frame of the movie, I was. Uh, uh, that was my memory as a kid. I loved the driving because you'd have these long intermissions. I don't know how long they were, but. Um, uh, you had plenty of time mm. to go to the bathroom, get your pizza, hot dogs. Would you hang out? 
that's what I thought you were implying last night. You'd hang out with people or ran into your. Friends. Well, you know, we got, if we got there early, they had they had all kinds of stuff. They have they have, they would have uh, uh, a big pit of sawdust with gifts. The, Finding them as you dig in through them. Mm. They had one driving in a go kart. One driving had a train that uh, would take kids all around the whole mm. uh, driving uh, acres. And so you had a lot of things. So if you went with kids, you probably went down to the playground and hung out. But then we got to a point where we were trying to take in as many films as we could. Mm. Uh, they would do kung fu marathons, Eastwood marathons. You were talking about an all uh, probably cut up, but an all night Eastwood marathon. You yeah. Uh, the recently, uh, you know, I I was really thought, wow, I saw all these films. That, you know, they had they would do a marathon of uh, spend a night with Clint Eastwood. It's all all three men with no names and hang them high. But uh, it turns out that apparently that some of these marathons they would trim the prints. So yeah, they could do which, four films a night or soon five you, films. As soon as you said that, I, that made total sense. So to there's me. a good chance that, uh, that I saw some trimmed films. Uh, of course, I've seen them so many times, I would get to a point I think I would notice that. But Well, do you, uh, I think we should wind down. Do you have any final thoughts? No, I just, it, it's just, it was, I'm glad you uh, got me out uh, and got out and see it because it's like I, I, have, I have Evil Dead 1 and 2 in my library. I haven't even, I don't think I've even upgraded the Blu ray. It's just like, am I ever going to get around to watching them again? So it was a good way to uh, uh, get off my butt and see those, and I'm glad I did because I forgot how much excitement Raimi was really exciting, and uh, and when he nailed the Spider-Man comic book movie, it was it was like uh, everything came to fruition with him yeah. uh, uh, to see him, but being this film fan, this comic book fan, this fanboy gone good, Ditko fan, yeah. So. I, I wanted to close with another uh, piece of vitamin podcast rep- uh, recommendation. Another podcast that I've been listening to a lot is um, The Happiness Lab with Dr. Lori Santos. And it's based on this course she teaches at Harvard, I believe. That is the most popular course in Harvard's history. And it's basically about how a lot of what we do to make ourselves happy is very counterintuitive. And a lot of social sciences and, and neurosciences have found out different things we can do. And one of the episodes I listened to recently was from the first season about doing things together and this what really hit me wasn't mentioned in the episode was the loss we have this year of and and general happiness of not being able to go to the movies together community the keyword community she talked a lot about some experiments that pointed out that she compared it to social sharing and sharing of photos and how that's not this that's counterintuitive in weird ways and that but whenever you you experience something with a person it it magnifies it. It's not that like to you. It automatically makes it better. It's just when you dislike something, you guys dislike it together. And we it was nice being. We were socially distanced at the three movies last night. So, uh, but it was nice to go to a movies with a friend last night. And, and to amplify that point, there's a scene in Evil Dead Two. Well, there's a couple of scenes, but the one scene that you you really need to see with the audience. Uh, when he says groovy, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that just, when he did that back in the day and still to this day, when you watch it with people, you all laugh, you all clap in unison. When you see, you see, know, see there, there were some, cl- I, I clapped. I know. I, saw um, that. I, I heard that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, people around me were laughing and we're trying to get as much community as far as distance out, but I don't want to end on too bummer of a note, but I, I mean, we, we saw Tenet together. So, but even that was distance and the whole concept, the IMAX even if you're willing to brave a theater right now, you still, it, you can't go with a crowd of theater. You can't go with, there's not going to be too many people. And it's just not the same. I'm, I'm no judgments if you're going to want to go to a theater right now, but. 
And we want to, and we want people to go because we want them to survive. You know, well, the, it's, I, a, it's a catch twenty two. I, I mean, they're going to have to survive some form. Like my point to wind down is just twenty. The of all the things that sucks about twenty twenty is just not being able to go to the movies together. I don't know anybody listening to this missing the movie theater experience. Just stay strong. Just um, try to keep your head up and <sighs> groovy, groovy. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks Ted for coming back. Anytime.